Hi, Hopers. I hope that you are going to have a good day or having a good day as you listen to this. I pray that as we talk about the Word of God day by day, that it is having an effect, an impact. It is getting into your soul in a way that brings change, renewal, life, challenge, um, and just spiritual connection with your Lord every single day. So I'm glad that we can do this. I'm glad we have the technology to do this. So I want to pick up in John chapter 2 as we kind of have these thoughts from John uh, that I'm going to share with you. John chapter 2 is a story about Jesus turning water into wine at the wedding at Cana. And as I read that story, the last verse uh, of kind of Jesus' interaction with, with the, the people at the, the wedding and the, the host's interaction, the master of the thing, comes back and asks a question about this wine that Jesus made. And he asks it to the servants. He asks, what, what's going on here? Uh, verse 10, he says, everyone brings out the choice wine first and then the cheaper wine after the guests have had too much to drink. But you have saved the best till now. The complaint is against those servants and, and the, the one who is hosting the party. Why would you take the best wine and save it till last? That makes no sense. You would want to have the best wine up front. You would want to give that first impression, the sense that this is a high quality, high class thing, that it's that, that you are putting on the best for your guests. It was a, a sense of culture and, and uh, the extravagance of it for the celebration that is there. So the normal pattern would be to, to taste all the wines that you have available and put the best one out first so that when everyone has their full senses and their first impression of your celebration is that you are really on top of this. This is going to be an excellent party. But in this one, they had all the wine. They had run out of wine, which was a crisis, a crisis of hospitality. And so Jesus tells the servants to go fill certain containers. And then he says, take a sample of that to the host and have him taste it. And when the host tastes it, it turns out that the water has been turned into wine. And I asked myself as I read that verse, you have saved the best for last. Why would you save the best for last? Why would Jesus wait until the end? Why would he save the best for last? Why wouldn't he step in before it got to be a crisis so everybody could feel comfortable and good? Why wouldn't he take care of it maybe beforehand? Hey, you, you don't have enough wine. And Why would Jesus wait until the end? And why would he make the best wine at the end? Why would it be so obviously out of order and out of place? I think in our lives, we think the same way. Jesus, why would you wait until now? Why haven't you done it yet? Why are you waiting to save the best for last? Our eternal hope is that one day we will be with him in eternity, that those who have passed on before us are already with our Lord, enjoying the presence of God himself and the wonderful relief and freedom from the, the aches and pains and hurts and limitations of this world. That the best is coming, it's not here yet. And yet, how often do we wish it were already here? How much do we wish that the order of things were different, that the best would already be here, and that maybe somewhere later on that I don't have to deal with right now, it could be worse then, but I'd like it to be the best now. Why would you save the best for last? Why would you wait? Why wouldn't you do it when you could do it? Why wouldn't you do it before things got messy or hard or painful, why wouldn't you take care of it sooner? Interestingly, the next verse, which is a comment of John, who's writing this, says, What Jesus did here in Cana of Galilee was the first of the signs through which 
he revealed his glory, and his disciples believed in him. It is the first of the signs that he did that revealed his glory, and his disciples believed in him. It seems that if if we can understand, if we can be open to what John the Apostle is writing here, that God's glory is more clearly seen when it's obvious that God is doing something special. God is doing something different, that it's the power of God at work. I think, humanly speaking, we tend to overlook things that just are convenient, things that happen. We never have to worry about them. We never have to think about them. We don't have to pray every day for the sun to come up the next day. Here in our country, we rarely have to pray about what's going to be our place to lay our head at night. Where where are we going to get a roof over our heads? How are we going to have food to eat? And as we go along through those things, it is so simple and easy for us to take them for granted. God's goodness is not any less, but we take them for granted. And because God is good, and because God loves us and wants us to know him, he doesn't want us to just overlook his goodness. He wants us to feel it, to sense it, to see it, to be experiencing his goodness. And humanly speaking, that often takes that he saves the best for last. I don't know what you're waiting on. I don't know what feels like, you know, God could have stepped in a lot sooner. God could have taken care of this. Why do I have to suffer? But sometimes when we really see clearly, what we realize is that God's glory is most clearly seen when he saves the best for last. And if we will have faith in his goodness, then his glory being revealed at a time where it's obvious only God could have done it is what helps us to believe. It helps our faith to grow. It helps us to be stronger and more confident in trusting him with our lives. So if you're waiting today for him to do something, if it seems like he's saving the best and he hasn't poured it out on you yet, know that he is saving it so that we will see it and that we can already believe that he is a God who always gives the best even when he saves it for last.